welcome to episode 8 of You Shall Not Pass Go. We are your hosts, Dave <laughs> and Jengis. And we are hosted on GeekAid.com. What's your geek? Yeah, buddy. Yeah, buddy. <laughs> All right, so getting it started with Magic the Gathering. That's right. Kaladesh, brand yeah. new. In fact, as we're recording this, a week before the release of Kaladesh. Yeah, it will come out, wait. It'll sure. come out the Friday before the Saturday of this podcast. Yes. So we are in pre-release weekend right here. Mm-hmm. I was going to go to a pre-release. Me too. And then I decided not to. Yeah. Because I just, I don't know. I think this is the part where we're going to talk about our feelings of the set. <laughs> <laughs> uh, for me, it's just I don't have the time this weekend, honestly. I yeah, mean, I, my time is a little scattered as well. But uh, I think part of it has to do with the set itself. Um, it's it's interesting. It's definitely an interesting limit. I mean, what you know? Let's talk about mechanics. Yeah. New so, mechanics of the set, of course. Energy counters. Mm-hmm. Um, a new resource. Uh, yeah, I guess. I don't. Will it ever come up outside of Kaladesh? I don't know, but it, it got me thinking. It's a counter. I'm like, so how can I break this? Will a doubling season do something for me? And mm-hmm. I'm like, well, no, because I get the energy counter. It's not on a permanent. Mm-hmm. But I'm thinking of like proliferates and well, energy yeah, chamber that and multiplies counters in general, not specific. Right. I'm trying to see if there's a way to break this. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, in other formats specifically. And I'm not sure I've found one yet, but I wouldn't be surprised if someone else who's more diligent mm-hmm. about breaking would. And we, and we don't know what's going to come out in the second half. So. Yeah. Um, and then there's a fabricate this new ability that either gives counters to the creature or that's coming tokens. into plane or gives you one, mm-hmm. one colorless little artifacts, little, little servo, little servo little artifacts. Um, we also have uh, the very controversial, vehicles yes controversial uh i know a lot of people a lot of friends of ours who we have in common um hate them really yeah for lack of a better word just straight out don't like the steampunky thing and also there we we knew steampunk was going to be kaladesh when we saw chandra yeah but (laughs) if you look i vehicles are unwieldy Mm -hmm. they don't make sense because they're already expensive. Like I'm looking at two right like now. Bad equipment. <laughs> They're worse because here's the thing. I'm looking at two right now, just as I'm scrolling through the card image gallery on Wizards, and the first two that have come up um, as I got to the artifact section were uh, Aradara Express and Ballista Charger. One's a common, one's an uncommon. Mm-hmm. Now, one's an eight six, one's a six six. You're like, wow, that's pretty powerful. But um, with this new crew mechanic with these vehicles, how it works is you have to tap a number of creatures equal to a certain amount of power before it actually becomes a creature. So what this is telling me is I have to tap five mana just to get this artifact that does nothing Mm -hmm. on the field. Then if I'm lucky to actually have creatures on the field, I have to tap those creatures with enough power to then activate the vehicle and that's if i actually have that much power mind you the power costs are low three four but if you're running a a little low cost a little white weenie deck or something like you know think of how much it actually it it takes just to get them to become a creature for one turn and then what am i getting out of it i'm getting beef with one of these deals one damage to target creature when it attacks or player okay so Mm -hmm. guaranteed one damage fine but then it just gets blocked and a 6-6 nothing and Mm -hmm. then it becomes an artifact again at the end of my turn that does absolutely nothing again and then the other one has menace so as long as they have two creatures they just chump block and then wait a turn and it's no longer a creature anymore like it's I I feel like this is the uh, that's why it's like it's weird when you go like when you're in limited it's something and when you're outside of limited it's it's an entirely different thing 
mm-hmm. think it doesn't make sense outside of a limited environment unless they do something. Unless you like, you're right. I'm not even sure it makes sense in limited. I think in limited they could become bombs, like because of relatively low cost, you know. And if you have like a creature that is like a common, it makes you want to feel the common more because at least that you'll have like a couple cheap commons that you can actually make into a somewhat respectable creature. Um, I don't know, man. Like if maybe you, if, if you combine the, it, if you're combining with fabricate, I understand the the, the combo. Yeah. They want you to fabricate little minions, little to, minions to, to crew your yeah. ship. I get it. Like I understand what they want to do, but I just think the cost and amount of time it takes to crew one of these vehicles could be better spent on just literally dropping creatures and attacking. Yeah. Um. I wonder if the. I mean, I think they're cool looking. I mean, the art's fun. Yeah. I think the concept is interesting. Mm-hmm. I just think it needs to be iterated more. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know how you could take this without uh, maybe like make the crew cost less. Maybe if there was something that made crew costs like cheaper. Right. Maybe if there was something. Or cards that just activated crew for you. Yeah, like, like if you like instant, an instant or sorcery that's just like when you play this card. Like temporary pilot. Like, yeah, you like you, you automatically. Or like enchant, an enchant- choose one vehicle you control it becomes like an, a creature. Or enchantment that's like you know uh, like pilot factory or like something like that. All vehicles you control are creatures. Are no manned or they're all you know crew. Yeah, don't require crew. Yeah, like yeah, something like that. You know, maybe that would make them more interesting, more viable. But mm-hmm. for now, they're clunky and slow and not really that interest. You know, not really. Um, you would say not worth a spot in a deck. Yeah, you know. Um, in terms of other things with this set, I mean, uh, I guess we can start with Planeswalkers. Yep. Uh, so, so I'll just say it. Bomb fucking Chandra, that bro. Chandra is like the Chandra. That is, the, I don't think there will ever be a better Chandra. Chandra, the Torch of Defiance. Two colorless, two red. She drops down, comes in with four counters. So she's all, and, and you know, if you retain priority when the Planeswalker comes in, you can activate a plus one. Mm-hmm. So she's essentially coming in with five, makes her unboltable. She's out of range of a lot of early game, you know, red spells or things that would normally take take out a Planeswalker mm-hmm. per se, right then and there, minus some kill Planeswalker yeah. spells. Then, I mean, her first ability is is great. It's exile the top card of the library and you can cast it if you don't. She deals two damage to each opponent, so you can essentially sacrifice the card on the top of your library to give you some like flex, nuke some just yeah. damage. Or if it's something you actually need, it lets you dig deep in your deck. And if you're playing red, you know you might not have a hand, so it might be nice to get that extra card. Yeah, if it's like a mana you don't need, touch right. the mana, deal two damage to everybody. Right, but really, it's her second of four abilities. I should mention, <laughs> it's her second ability she's that mo- I, she's I really the mind skillper. Yeah, she really is. <laughs> Um, it's definitely her second ability that has made me just look at her and just be like, I can't believe this is, I, She's I a, could be wrong. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm, I'm, my opinion of the current state of modern isn't correct. And I'm sure there's really not a deck for her at the moment per se, that would, she would fit perfectly into, but I would be shocked if it, she's not broken in modern band soon. But anyway, back to her second ability. The reason why I say this is for plus one to plus one to add two red mana to your mana pool. So essentially, if you play her for four and get back two, 
you could, for lack of a better term, say that she is, in fact, a two-mana-cost planeswalker. Yeah, that's insane. Which is nuts with red, um, especially in a format like where I'm thinking... Like I'm if thinking, someone does like a red deck wins or like something where like I'm thinking I'm thinking modern man yeah, because you're in, that, here's, you're in that modern and legacy mindset right like <laughs> just I'm just thinking of like random combos in my brain I'm thinking if you want like early game advantage right imagine this opening hand I don't know where you would go from here but I'm just thinking of this opening hand in my brain opening hand of um, a gemstone caverns mm-hmm. so you have that you know yeah, begin yeah. before the game begins you have a mono ready. Um, that's one card, three Simeon spirit guides or no, two Simeon spirit guides in a mountain. So there's your other three mana. So you can cast Chandra. That's four cards so far. One Chandra. That's your fifth card. And then for six and seven, like two bolts. My God. And then essentially what you just do on the first turn of the game is you play your extra, you play your mountain, you discard both Simeon spirit guides to gain those two floating reds, tap your caverns, tap your mountain, Play Chandra, plus one, bolt, bolt to the face. Your opponent is now at 14 on the first turn. And you have a Chandra at five. Yeah. It just went up. (laughs) Yeah. And her, and so her other three, our other two abilities are at minus three, she deals four damage to target creature. And at minus seven, you get an emblem that whenever you cast a spell, it, this emblem deals five damage to target creature or player. Which is insane. It's absolutely. that, That goes around a lot of things that block things from spells. Yeah. And so I, I just, I, I mean, if you think of the opening hand I just described, and then on your next turn, you draw a card, and then you play her other plus one, which is, I mean, if you if you need to, I mean, you could also get more mana, but you play her other plus one, exile the top of your card, and either you're dealing two damage straight, putting your opponent already at 12, mm-hmm. or you're essentially getting Casting another burn whatever, spell. Whatever was up there. Right. Like, I, 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 in my opinion, that is a winning modern deck. To be able to do that on turn one. Mm-hmm. Um, Getting that, though. If you get that, though, <laughs> would be another story. But he's still in... Like, just... I think if somebody were to take that concept and run with it, I'm sure Red Deck Wins would just make a fierce comeback would, at the top. It would be of, very of interesting to see where he goes. Yeah. yeah I'm, I'm, I'm curious to see what the what the Kaladeshi uh, Pro Tour is going to look like. Uh, on the other half of the, the planes... Well, not other half, but another. Uh, Nissa. Uh, Nissa Vital Force, uh, three colorless, two green. Uh, in my opinion, honestly, I'm not impressed with her. But this is me be like, where is Garuk? <laughs> <laughs> um, but like, she looks like she bezo- belongs in Zendikar. She does. Like, I know she does. But, but she doesn't. Like, they didn't give her that like that steampunk Kaladesh. Like, like yeah. why are you here on Kaladesh? Well, she's a druid. Yeah, but I mean, I feel like don't I use feel metal. Like seen, this is the D and D world. Yeah, I know. I feel like I've seen this Nissa before. You know, like this we just, have. It's just another. This is the last three Nissas. Yeah, it's and, something that just involves a lot of lands. And I just don't feel like that's really interesting. I mean, I know they had to put her in, kind of like either that or another Liliana, but they just printed Liliana. No, the Planeswalker they should have put in, who's definitely going to be in the second block of this is because Tezzeret? he has a card. Is Tezzeret. <laughs> Tezzeret is back. Like Tezzeret. he. Has a card. It's, it's called back, what, what is his card in here? It's called like Tezzeret's like ambition. Yeah, that's exactly what it's called. Tezzeret's ambition. I wonder if Bolas is, has any. Uh, do you think he has any hand in all? I this? don't know. I I don't. I haven't. You're up on the lore more than I am. I, but I, I is Tezzeret still dead, or did he, he regain he life? Because died. I mean, he, that's did, he did die, but then Bolas brought him back as an as, as like yeah, an undead his thrall. But, but if like you look at him in this picture, he looks not yeah, dead. He, I mean, he still has metal claw. 
But he's always uh, had metal claw. Yeah, but it's like it's the I've come back and it's kind of like almost, you know, it's sinister metal claw. <laughs> right, but he doesn't look like yeah. pale and dead. I, I, unfortunately, it's before I started really getting back into lore, but I have to remember if Nickel Bolas is like dead. I don't think he's dead. Because hmm. like, I don't think I don't think he was murdered by the ghost dragon. I guess the point we're just trying to really make here is fuck Nissa, you should have made Tezzeret. Yeah, or but like, I'm sure they're know, doing it for the I'm second. Like, I'm, I'm just like, I want, I want a really, really nice, solid greens planeswalker that's not Nissa. <laughs> Garuk has had the, the original Garuk was a solid greens planeswalker. Yeah, I, I want him back. I mean, no, but I mean, like, <laughs> you don't need to reprint Wild Speaker. Like that, that is the staple green planeswalker, in my opinion. I want like, yeah, well, it's look, it's everything you ever want. <laughs> um, on the other half, we have our multicolored planeswalkers. Our our Kaladeshi planeswalkers. Yeah, starting off with Dove, Dovin Ban Dovin or bon. Dovin Bon. Yeah. He's a three. He's blue and white and two. He has a plus one he, that he, he can... He is, like, very much blue-white. Yeah. He, All of his abilities are, like, blue-white. <laughs> yeah, he, he either nerfs a creature's attack and their activated abilities can't be activated, or for a minus one, you gain two life and draw. And if you ever get to seven and you minus him, uh, you get an emblem that says your opponents can't untap more than two permanents during their untap steps. Um, I feel like he, doesn't, he won't get to his, his emblem. He'll that. never get to his emblem. And also, I, I feel like his, his, his plus one ability is, is almost... Is very situational. The mm-hmm. activated ability abilities thing is great, but in terms of the minus three minus zero, I'm not, I'm not too keen. Yeah, I mean it's it's weird. It's a very strange one. I don't know why they like. I mean, because like in the story wise, he's very like inquisitive. Doesn't seem very inquisitive. I just I could I could care less about Dovin Bon. Uh, and then uh, <laughs> Sahili Rai. <laughs> so negative on magic. <laughs> Well, they don't pay us, Jengis. Maybe if they start listening to the cast, give us some free, like, judge promos, maybe we'll be a little bit more respectful of their properties. We'll talk about some, like, positive things. We're just just getting through the the chuffa first. Uh, Sahili Rai is the other planeswalker. Yes. Uh, Red, blue. Uh, Cheap. One one colorless, one blue, one red. Uh, And she, you know, another was, like, very, you know, if I were to say, like, blue, red, like these are the abilities you would say I would have. Like scry plus one is scry one, and then deals one damage to each opponent, which is great. Um, minus two is create a token that's a copy of target artifact or creature you control, except it's an artifact in addition to its other types. It gains haste, and then you exile it. Hey, that's so red. Um, but like I, it makes sense to her because she's like this me- this crazy metal crafter. Yeah. So it's like you know that that makes perfect sense. And then her minus seven is search your library for up to three artifact cards with different names and put them onto the battlefield and shuffle your library. Um, I could see her getting. I mean, like I don't know if she'll die before she gets to her emblem because she starts at three. I but I like, don't see her ever making it. At least it. her plus ones are like good. Like they're good, oh yeah, they're I mean it's nice to it's nice to scry. Yeah, I and think she's she'd be nice like an early game in limited like like you you pull Sahili, you get her in limited, you get her on turn three. Your opponent doesn't have anything to kill it with, and mm-hmm. you start like you know, uh, you can start pinging and, and fixing your deck, you right? Know, which is good. And then uh, it's a re- we also have the return of the dual lands that come. Oh, come in before un- we finish with planeswalkers. Oh. I want to talk about. Derpy Chandra and Derpy Nissa. 
I was going to do that later, but I guess we could do that right now. All right, sorry. No, it's fine. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, so, so instead of the talk, intro we, packs anymore, yeah, we, we talked, talked about, about you, they're doing these like planeswalker dual decks. Yeah, and you get essentially like a planeswalker. It's not meant for actual tournament play it's yeah. like a really bad yeah. planeswalker it's it's just it, meant for these like have a planeswalker yeah and they're like you it's 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 more lore driven than anything else mm-hmm. and um, it's a bad chandra and it's a bad nissa that's that's what like, it comes down it's to so silly because the six drop chandra with like i mean yeah plus I, plus just two. just look them up yeah. they're not even worth a speaking about 10 for emblem they're not and worth I'm- speaking about <laughs> But you know, it's cute. It's cute. It's cute for the kids. It's a cute idea. I don't see it lasting. Yeah, we'll see. Um, but uh, as I was saying, the it's the return of the two or fewer dual lands. Yes, um, the back. Yeah, except this time it's enemy colors, which is nice. Mm-hmm. Um, so you have these dual lands that come in enemy colors untapped if you control two or fewer lands. So they're mm-hmm. early game untapped dual lands. They're not typed, um, and you know they're the other ones were what were those other ones from that did this. Was it two or fewer? I feel like it was was cons. Was it cons? No, it was way before that. I think it was scars. I think you're right. I think it was scars of Mirrodin. Mm -hmm. Um, were the last time we saw these types of lands. So it's nice that they're bringing them back with the, uh, you know, enemy colors. That would make sense. Another artifact set. Mm -hmm. Um, now moving on from that, I guess like, are there any specific cards like you? That really stuck out to you in this set? Well, actually, one, and it's going to bring us to our next topic, I think. Um, I mean, outside of Chandra, yeah. obviously, um, which is Commander Spotlight. Commander! Um, <laughs> and. Tariff. Commander! Commander! <laughs> uh, yeah. Specifically, the out of the legendary creatures of this set, because. One thing that I'm sure people have realized, if and if you haven't, I will outright tell you, is that Wizards has really begun to embrace Commander. Like, there are cards printed in these sets that are clearly never meant for any play but Commander. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, look at Chandra. She says each opponent, implying that you'll be playing in a multiplayer Well, format. I mean, she's good in anything. <laughs> yeah, but, but still. <laughs> but there are, there are just cards that just like you like, I would never play this in anything but Commander. And that bringing it back to what we said in the beginning is also how I feel about vehicles vehicles. I hate the concept of, um, because of how expensive they are, but in a commander setting and a multiplayer game where you have time and it's, it's a longer game per se. Mm -hmm. I think it's a great idea specifically with our commander spotlight on Depala pilot exemplar, um, Boros one red, one white, one colorless, right. so cheap commander. Nice cheap commander. Uh, three three, um, dwarf pilot. Other dwarves you control get plus one plus one. So dwarves dwarf, are back, guys. Yeah, tribal. <laughs> they haven't been around in ages. <laughs> and each vehicle you control gets plus one plus one as long as it's a creature. And then her ability is whenever she becomes tapped, you may pay X. And if you do reveal the top X cards of your library, put all dwarf and vehicle cards from among them into your hand and put the rest on the bottom of your library in any random so order. So it's a great fix. And it's got... She fishes tribal. out stuff. Yeah. And if you're using her in a vehicle, 
commander deck, she's going to be, you use her for crew. Yeah. She's the pilot. So you tap her for crew, uh, then pay X and fish out your next couple cards. Uh, I didn't even think about that. Yeah, man. <laughs> that's, that's like, that's the clear combo right yeah. there. It's just, they that's want perfect. you to play her as a, the pilot of the ship. Mm-hmm. So in a commander game where like, you know, you have, like I said, you have time resources, the ability to get her out because she's in the command zone. So you mm-hmm. have her at the ready. I think then in that case, I'm all for ships. Mm. I can I can definitely figure out ways in Commander to get those ships manned with, like I can make a token deck. Yeah. I would just hope that they keep going. I mean, like if that's the case, like I don't want vehicles to die here. You know, right? I want the maybe at least in the next set, like the next part of this block, or this uh this Kaladeshi set, um, or in Aether Revolt, which is what it's called, mm-hmm. um, or like going forward because like. And, you know, I like a little mix, you know, but we'll see if this is just like werewolves and like it just dies with the set. <laughs> it probably will. I mean, it seems I doubt vehicles. Vehicles have to be set specific. And I don't mean yeah. like it'll be an Aether Revolt for sure, but it's going to be in this. Yeah. The Kaladesh block after Kaladesh is over, like whatever the next block is, we will not be seeing vehicles. Mm-hmm. It is it is going to be specific to this, especially because I have a strong feeling Tezzeret's just going to come in during Aether Revolt, and the reason it's called Aether Revolt is because it's all about Tezzeret just being like, I'm going to take everything that this plane has and use it to go conquer you, New Phyrexia. You, you don't think it's going to be Shanja uh, revolting against Tezzeret and his control over Kaladesh? I think it'll be ever. I think it'll be. T- it'll be multi-layered revolting. Mm-hmm. But Tezzeret is going to try and take How over revolting. New Phyrexia for sure, mm-hmm. and he's going to use Kaladesh stuff to do it. God, I can't believe he's back. Yeah. Right. Um, and, yeah. and I mean, it makes sense, though, if you look at Kaladesh as a plane. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that's it. Very simple. Commander Sp- Spotlight is oh, Dipala. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, moving forward. Yeah, right. Uh, so another aspect of Kaladesh that we didn't touch on mm-hmm. is that um, and something that Wizards is actually going to be going. We we saw a taste of it from before. In, in Battle in for Zendikar, Battle for Zendikar and um, Oath of the Gatewatch. Oath of the Gatewatch. Uh, and now it's it's back, and now it's a permanent fixture, and that's what Wizards in is calling form. <laughs> is Wizards is calling uh, masterpieces. Yeah, um, they're going to be different for each set. So uh, for for Kaladesh, they are the uh, masterpiece Kaladesh event inventions, um, and with the masterpieces, they're reprinting and also. It's new cards and old cards that are specifically themed to the the set, right? To and, the plane or to the lore mm-hmm. of whatever is going on. Uh, and they're they're brand, all of them are new art. Every single one of them are new art, including brand new cards. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like I know that sounds ridiculous, but the first five cards that they show of the masterpiece series are the Gear Hulks of Kaladesh, literally with different art. Yeah, like they. They just printed these cards in Kaladesh and printed them again as premium cards. Yeah. So masterpieces. Do you remember what the uh, rarity of masterpiece is going? Isn't it like, like yeah, I, a, more, I, a little bit more than myth? Oh, what a case! I, I, I believe it's something to the effect of one per case. So yeah. one out of every six boxes, or every box is thirty-six packs. Mm-hmm. So one out of however many thirty-six <laughs> times six is math. Uh, 
<laughs> yeah. So uh, essentially about one a case, mm-hmm. you get, you're guaranteed um, to find one of these masterpieces. Now in Battle for Zendikar, they had the Expedition Lands. Mm-hmm. That was essentially what is now being termed as the Masterpiece series, where you find these cards randomly. If you remember, we talked about how Jangus pulled one. Yes, at I pulled a, a Crypt, or uh, no. The Wasteland. Uh, wasteland, yeah. I did. And that's amazing. And mm. Wasteland is already on its own a $40 card, so a full art promo Wasteland is just going to be yeah, 100 if not more. But, but now we have these, not only just, not only are they promo, but they're like, the really fancy looking. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We have, uh, in addition to the Gear Hulks, we have Aether Vial, which I know that Aether Vial is going to be, Aether Vial is already a $40 card. Yeah. So this ridiculous, I mean, I mean there's so many cards here that are let just Let me like, see. You know, I wonder if TCG Player already has prices for them. I bet. Um, and I'm wondering what the initial, like what the initial price points are. I have to, I would imagine hundreds for Aether Vial. So some other cards, um, you have some, uh, Commander uh, stand staples. You have chromatic lantern and soul ring. Have like these fancy art. Uh, Lotus petal, monovol, lightning greaves. Which I'm just like, really? But yeah, it looks great. You yeah, know? but you know, that's one of those things. Like they're not all great. And looking at it, and I would be. I don't know if I'd be happy to pull the lightning greaves. You don't think? Mm. It'd be so. Fa- it'd be, you know what? It's, it's one of those things. Where if like, you're if you're all about the fanciness of it, then great. It, but the, I'd be about the money of it and greaves. I can't imagine. By the way, real quick, aether aether vial right now. Mm-hmm. Um, Kaladesh or the Kaladesh aether vial is the masterpiece. What is 145 right now? Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, I actually I would have I would have guessed more honestly if you would ask me to guess. I probably would have guessed closer to like. 300 i'm mm-hmm. i'm actually you don't think the price might go up oh it's i you know i don't know but like for instance lightning greaves is like 65 bucks oh, so well, like, there you go <laughs> still that's a 65 dollar card that's true um mana vault oh my god so good painter <laughs> servant mox opal the swords a couple swords with yeah like amazing art soul ring but yeah the, oh those swords i love the sword arts i know a lot of people the feast and famine looks gorgeous i know a lot of people that don't like the other two the same yeah. people that just don't like kaladesh in general mm-hmm. specifically fire and ice because it's hard you have to analyze the art of fire and ice to mm-hmm. understand the sword because and you look at it and you're just like where is the sword where how does this work what is this what am i looking at what they did is they essentially made like the Super Soaker 3000 into a sword <laughs> form because it has its like liquid nitrogen pack yeah. that goes on your arm. Your arm fits through this sort of hole mm-hmm. and then goes down into a gauntlet that you use to grip the sword with. And the sword itself is like a blazing, fiery plasma sword, but in the middle is a piston to fire out that liquid nitrogen. Yeah. Which in my brain, I was like, because I had to think about how this sword works, <laughs> I like this sword. Yeah. And like sort of light and shadow looks like it should be in Kingdom Hearts. Yeah, right. It looks like it, it looks like a keyblade. It's a couple ridges short. Sad robot looking sad, sad, looking evil robot. So sad still though. Looks a little sad. Looks kind of evil though. That dark yeah. kind of reds. He's, he looks like he's made of uh, what's that steel? The uh, the indestructible steel. I forget what it is from uh, Mirrodin. Dark steel, yeah, dark steel. It looks like he's made of dark steel. I, f- I my brain was in Marvel mode. Mode. I was like, is it vibranium? <laughs> uh, he's made of a what was it? A dwarf star uh, alloy. <laughs> alloy. Yeah. <laughs> Crucible of Worlds, Gauntlet of Power. Yeah, there's a there's a lot of like re- they're all impressive and like and they're gonna say in each like they say blocker set. 
I think it's every set. That's insane. Yeah. That means that Aether Revolt, or so because Aether Revolt if you, going to use these masterpieces. You, yeah, because because look. Look at the numbering. The masterpieces have their own numbering, and oh, it only goes true. up to 30 out of 54, which means there's going to be another 24. My God. In, yeah. <laughs> I, that's, this, this is almost this, like, it's collector bait. If you're a collector, like, if you're someone that likes rarity. someone who likes to, the people who get all foil commander decks like this is going to be like another piece de resistance. Like, yeah, I have the I have um, a masterpiece, a masterpiece soul ring in my commander yeah. deck. <laughs> I mean, it's just I. I don't actually play my deck. I just put it in place. I just I just look at it while I I do things. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's just I I I like the idea. I'm not sure it's going to make me buy more cards. Mm-hmm. But I would definitely be pleasantly surprised to open an, a I pack. Only, and I almost feel one. like they shouldn't do like this. It's like this is almost like you wish. Like going back to our last podcast, this you, is what from the vault should have been. Yes, yeah, a hundred percent. I'm just like, why even bother with from the vault if you right. put all your our assets and money into making these masterpieces? Especially when these a lot of these cards are from the vault. <laughs> Like they're older cards, and like if this had just been from the vault, like you would have sold from the so vault many masterpiece, like, right? You know, even that, you, even increasing the price maybe, point. Maybe we're maybe we're jumping ahead of uh, wizards. Maybe they might actually do something like this. It, it wouldn't actually. That wouldn't surprise me down the line. Doing like a masterpiece anthology. Yeah, the price point would probably be oh, huge. God. But yeah. I don't know. I could see it happening. They had the dual decks anthology, and yeah. one of those was like a good two hundred dollars yeah, or something they like could that. Do that for this. God, so that'd be insane. But hey, you know, I would get them. I know you. Would. I probably, or I mean, if I had the money, but I would, I would attempt to get them. Maybe I'll start stripping. I don't know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so that's it for Magic the Gathering. <laughs> uh, oh, Jesus. So one of my students told me that. Uh, you can Wait, sell a kidney what? on the black market okay. for like 200 grand. Oh. Yeah, so that's an idea. There's my masterpiece there collection. Hey. Only really I'll, need be, one. I'll be able to actually make a legacy deck. Yeah. It'd be nice. I could I could do that. Oh, yeah. Speaking of which, <laughs> uh, as Jengis points at me and gives me these wide eyes like, dude, say the thing. Um, I went to... <laughs> I, I went to a legacy tournament... <laughs> Oh really? I did. Um, I went to a legacy tournament over at Wild Pig Comics in Kenilworth. We talked about them before. Um, I used an Enchantress deck because I, I I have an, an Enchantress deck, and uh, I got do, I got I got fucking hosed. I was I was just I was destroyed. Um, the decks were just a little too quick for Enchantress, and it was a bummer. Yeah, because I I'm, I'm very competitive. Mm-hmm. Um. And I always get bummed out when things don't go my way. It was just too fast. It was like Enchantress. Just I couldn't get, I couldn't get what I needed out fast enough. Now I, I always knew Legacy to be a quick format. Yeah, uh, like I just didn't know how quick. We're talking like a lot of turn three wins. That's insane. Yeah, the first deck I faced, I faced the Legacy Elves, which he just. I mean, my opponent also had good. Good draws. Mm-hmm. Um, he had Heritage Druid in hand both games and one to two Nettle Sentinels, which right there, they combo. The Heritage Druid is tap any three elves you control, gain three ma- mana. Yeah. And Nettle Sentinel is when a creature comes into play, untap it. And you can, so with, you know, three Nettle Sentinels, 
you could tap, get three mana, play a couple elves, untap them, get more, and, and just net all of this mana. Um, but anyway, so between that and some other stuff he had going on, uh, an Arc Druid and you know, other things, just turn three, he would have enough mana to natural order and then would sacrifice wow. some, some derp elf <laughs> and get instead Craterhoof Behemoth. Oh. Who you know when it hit turn three? Yeah, when it comes to play, it's hasted and, and it, it, it overruns for as many creatures as you have. Mm-hmm. So if you have seven creatures, everything gets plus seven, seven. And, and at trample. that point, he's already like derped out a whole bunch of elves. Yep. And like So I couldn't get it. my first game. I didn't have anything in the deck to stop that really. So he kind of he hosed me. The second game, I boarded in my ghostly prisons um, because I didn't own any elephant grass, which would have done it a lot sooner on. And, you know, maybe I could have worked around it. But even then, I know he had a reclamation sage in the deck and he could have just popped my enchantment with that Mm -hmm. with a natural order reclamation sage. But I just couldn't get ghostly prison out fast enough to get around his elves. I. I actually, it's a shame. I hesitated to turn to play. I could have played Ghostly Prison on like turn two. Mm-hmm. I somehow accelerated. Oh, I know. It's because I was playing like Wild Growth and Utopia Sprawl and stuff. And I thought about playing the prison, but I he didn't have much on the board. Mm. And I thought I had one more turn. Um, but I guess he drew what he needed and he just went off on that turn. And mm-hmm. I just, I was kicking myself. So I lost that game. Second game I played against Manalus Dredge, which from a deck building standpoint, <laughs> watching it in action, I was just like, this is the neatest fucking thing. Yeah. Um, to have a no Mimana deck and have like a winning deck. <laughs> but at the same time, it's very easily stopped and I just didn't own the card I needed to stop it. Um, the card in, in my Enchantress deck that I would have needed in my sideboard would have been Rest in Peace, which mm-hmm. just says all cards that would go to the graveyard get exiled instead. That, that stops yeah, Dredge that stops right there. Um, and there would have been nothing you could do about it because without Mana in a Dredge deck, mm-hmm. if I play he Rest pro- in Peace, would have just like, tapped. scooped maybe. Yeah, yeah. I mean, because at that point, there's nothing you can do. Um, or even if I had a graft. Uh, graph digger or graph dagger cage, whatever that is, same does the same thing. But I, I didn't own either of those. And then I didn't want to put Ley Lines of the Void in my sideboard because even though I I had a way to play them naturally because of my Utopia Sprawls, if I didn't get them first turn, they might have been dead cards in my hand. And I just, it just didn't seem like a sideboard worthy space, Mm -hmm. you know, in this particular case. Um, So unfortunately, I I lost those games too. Um, And then in my third round, I played versus just like, quick dumb little infectors that got pumped <laughs> like there was that little blue infector that's unblockable yeah. and he he's was, a one he one my, he was my favorite back in the day you swing with him <laughs> and he got invigorated and berserked oh nice and i was just like well <laughs> gg that's the game like it's over and then in the fourth round i would have faced a dude playing miracles which is probably a deck i could have beaten and not mm-hmm. even probably when i play tested the deck miracles i beat consistently but unfortunately, by that point, mm-hmm. the, my opponent was just done. So he actually had just dropped. And I had been waiting for like 45 minutes because my game had ended early. Oh, that sucks. And he just dropped. And so I got a buy. So I, I guess that's a win. Technically. But I just was like, I was like. common denominator win. <laughs> yeah. I got, so I lost three rounds and then got a buy. And I was just like, I am. I am the pity party. I'm I'm out. <laughs> Goodbye. So I left, came home, and immediately decided I'm building sneak and show. <laughs> Just like, I'm gonna show them. Oh, I'm gonna f- emerald all over their faces. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just I'm, I'm no I'm no longer tentacles everywhere. Yeah, I just I 
it's it's expensive to get and i'm not going to have the most optimized version i don't think i'll ever have volcanic islands because even the most least expensive ones are 300 dollars a piece so i'll never have those i'll have to swap them in for steam vents and have mm-hmm. shock lands which aren't you know perfect it's but they'll optimized. do right and it's going to take me a while to get the four floors of wills i'll need because those are 100 bucks a pop <laughs> but eventually i will have a sneak and show i've got the show and tells i've got the One sneak day. sneak attacks i've got the omnisciences um i've got the i just got my grizzle brands so i have like and then like all the basic pieces i have you know the brainstorms and the ponders and stuff like that um cunning wish uh but really i just it's gonna take a while to get those force of wills but i'll get them then i'm gonna come back and i'm gonna hose those people i'm just gonna be like eat it sneak and show show and tell baby get them yeah right david i'm gonna do it so get them. that's it for magic yeah <laughs> this time yeah for real um and now we're gonna move over to D. yeah so um starting with uh, unearthed arcana yes uh last as we month, do last month uh last month we had a they, sweet they, fucking unearthed arcana they, bro <laughs> they, Love that. Uh, they uh they tease this before they've been teasing this so like they're they're working on ranger they want to make a a better a, a more uh, for lack of a better word, non-dritzed ranger. Yeah, <laughs> well, it's not even that. It's like right now, ranger's kind of clunky in its current form. They want to make a better, more stream—not streamlined, but like, like a, a better feeling ranger. Mm-hmm. Uh, so <clears throat> they released uh, the ranger revised. Uh, so in in this implementation, you know, this is this is pretty much like this is what they want to. They kind of want to go with this, uh, and they even said like if it's. If it's good, if it's good, good enough, the players like it enough, it'll probably be showing up like a future D&D source book. God only knows what that would be. Right. Uh Oh, which, by the way, quick, fun fact, audience, our very own Jengus of Geek Aid (laughs) um, of You Shall Not Pass Go tweeted and asked Mike Merrills if we would ever have like a compilation of the Unearthed Arcana. And he got a retweet, yeah, and a response. It was like he would. I mean, I could probably bring it up real quick, but he. Um, let me bring it up. Essentially, uh, it was a cryptic way of saying. <laughs> while he's yeah, it was a cryptic way of saying yes. Yeah, he said, "I would not be surprised if that happened." Dot dot dot, and he did hashtag WOTC staff. So I don't know if that's like an internal like uh, hashtag that they use or something, but but uh, they they definitely you know. I'm sure it's on their radar. Or like, maybe it is now. Wouldn't yeah. that be cool if it was like, hey, this guy's got a good idea. That's right. Hey, staff, <laughs> see what this dude said? Um, but they should because there's a lot of ideas that just haven't found a home yet. Like yeah. psionics. It's It'll, still there. Listen, <laughs> how many times have we had a player's handbook two in our lives? I know. It'll yeah, happen. It'll happen. But it's just like, I don't know, because we don't they've beyond that, him released like a splat book. Like since like right when we haven't seen a single splat book a sword coast adventures guide is That's probably like the, the closest, closest yeah. yeah um you know i i don't know if they'll include it in an adventure or if they'll like actually make a book Anyways. regardless back to revised ranger so, revised ranger looks a lot like your normal ranger with some key differences so if you look at just the the table uh first thing you'll see which is right away level five they don't get another attack it doesn't explicitly say that they get another attack. Yep. However, uh, you'll see instead of uh, your archetype, you now have what's called a ranger conclave, and that's really the biggest thing about this. Um, so you you have your normal stuff, natural explorer, fighting style. That's all the same. Um, 
spellcasting still the same, primeval awareness, blah blah blah. Anyways, what's really what what really you know is the the meat and potatoes of this revised ranger is uh, the conclaves. So and prime pr- uh, primeval awareness is pretty no, cool primeval, too. Oh, primeval awareness was there, was it? Yeah, that shows you how often I actually care about ranger. <laughs> It's usually your wife that plays the ranger, I yeah. understand. <laughs> um, so uh, going to the first one, which was actually the really like the most interesting of all of them to me. So currently the way the ranger works is that your animal companion, you have to order it to move. Or it, it, you can't, or you could sp- you could split your move with it. I have to remember. I, I'm uh, pretty sure it's just it takes its turn on your turn. Yeah, and that's it. And you, well, but you have to like explicitly have you, it do things. Yeah, you can't. You it attack when you like when you got multi attack. You could split your attack so you, you can attack and your beast can attack. But normally you would have to choose between you or your, the beast to attack. Um, but now with the beast conclave, your animal companion is a lot more independent uh instead of act, it gets its own initiative so it doesn't even act on your initiative anymore um it does lose its multi-attack attack out uh, abilities but that's fine don't worry about i mean you won't miss it i'm telling you um so it moves on its own it attacks on its own um but what you know so you're saying like oh then what happened to multi-attack well, at fifth level, you get what's called coordinated attack. Uh, what that means is when you attack, if your companion can see you, it can attack using its reaction if mm-hmm. you make a melee attack, which is great because, like, well, you know, there aren't many other things your melee, your companion would ever use this reaction for. Right. It's its reaction. It's not even your reaction. It's its reaction, mm-hmm. which is, you know, um, you know, so that's what their multi-attack is. Now you're coordinated. You're, you're attacking with your beast. So now it's kind of like a, a more coordinated action. It feels you don't you're not bogged down by your beast anymore. Right. You're kind of like you're working in concert with your beast. It's more of like that symbiotic relationship mm-hmm. as opposed to uh what when you know the the leech. Um and then there's additional things. Uh you know, at, at level eleven it gets uh, a cleave, which is amazing. Uh because like who wouldn't want a cleave? <laughs> Yep. Um, yeah. Uh, and then uh, Hunter, the Hunter Conclave, which is like the the ranged Conclave. Um, has, well, it, I mean, it has melee too. Yeah, that's true. But like, I, I always picture this. It's more. Move. It's it's more of the non. The, it's the non. It's the traditional non beast, beast hunter. hunter. Yes. So uh, they get a, they get an extra attack at fifth level, and then they get combat tricks. Yeah. You know, a lot um, of combat tricks that they can do. You get a I, I don't quite remember this multi attack. Was do you remember if that was? I don't remember there? if it was in there, but it's combat tricks. Yeah. Just, their entire thing is all about combat tricks. Uh-huh. Uh, and then uh, the last conclave is the deep stalker conclave, which is your drow conclave. Well, your, I mean, it's that's your, uh, your sneaky. That's your sneaky rogue ranger. Sneaky rogue ranger. Yeah, which is nice. And they get like special magic. For being this sneaky rogue ranger, right? Um, you know, uh, and they get a oh, hmm. one of your turns when you miss with an attack, you can make another attack. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, it's know? it's. I don't know if they're. I wonder if they're like because this is very different design than what they they went with with the original. Uh, not even just the ranger, but all the other classes too. Yeah, like normally fifth and eleventh, you just get an extra attack. That's it. But it seems like they're trying to kind of like 
give key, alternate features exactly variants they're giving you options instead like well, I, not an option but like they're not you know it's not as like vanilla as like extra attack it's like right it's more flavorful it's more like in t- in tune to to put to give it like wow words it's more class fantasy mm-hmm. you're more you know it's more in tune with your class like you know you for instance the the ranger you attack with your beast mm-hmm. or uh for the hunter you get like um, the volley and the multi attack, and for stalker, when you miss, you actually attack again. You yeah, know, like I wonder if they'll do something similar for other classes like this. Kind of like I don't know if you saw uh, Pathfinder released like a you know we redid the classes to make them better kind of thing. Do you ever see that book? I I've stopped. No. Ever since Five E came out, my Pathfinder has just been collecting dust. Well, they did something like this where they said like you know monks not. Monk's clunky. This is clunky. Bard's clunky. We're going to redo them and re-release them in this another book. You know, um, it's interesting. I, I, I guarantee you it'll be in a player's handbook, too, yeah. along with other classes. I'm I, sure. I, I would love to see that. Um, so that's... So that's Ranger Central. Revised. Yeah. So check it out. Play it in your games. Yeah. Uh, speaking of playing it in games... Uh, <laughs> Dave, you pointed out it's not as smooth as a transition. Um, so I'll be finally... Um, I'll be finally running my own game soon. Oh, uh, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, by the time this comes out, we may, have, I don't know what we're going to, uh, so this is what I want, you know, well, I'm going to be running Storm King's Thunder. Yes, uh, you are. Using Roll20. We did talk about this before. Yes, we did. Um, I have a group of five currently. Yes. Um, I think that should be fine. Storm King's Thunder says it supports up to six. So oh. I think I should be fine with five. Yeah. Um, plus like, I think, you know, most of the players are, we, I think I have one player who is new, like has never actually played D&D right. before, but everyone else is like a veteran of sorts. Of course. So I think it will be smooth, uh, for the most part, mm-hmm. as far as player concern and roll 20 does take a lot of the prep work out of it. Like so much of the prep work out oh, of it. because all the encounters are built exactly. and everything's ready like, to go. I don't have to figure out like, you know. Oh, you, the problems are going to run in if, I mean, you know. If people go off. We're going to try to be good yeah. for you because this is like your first, <laughs> this is your first rodeo per se as a DM. Yeah. So we're going to do our best to be good for you. We'll, you know, save the princess, do the thing, like whatever it is, mm-hmm. like we'll say yes to the quest. But where I think Roll20 as a platform will run into hiccups is trying to on the fly cater to more of a sandbox style of gameplay. Mm-hmm. You're doing Storm King's Thunder, but then all of a sudden it's like, you know, go save the princess. And it's like, nah, we're just going to kill the mayor of the town. <laughs> we go to town hall, we kill the mayor. We do that. Where's the town hall? And then like, it's like, uh, and you know, on the fly building something like yeah. that. I don't think it'll be so difficult. I, uh, I, I don't think it's going to matter. I'm, I'm we're going to do our best, I think, to stay yeah. on, on story track for yeah. you. But I, I do think that it definitely, um, it's something that in general, the platform I think doesn't cater to. Um, I'd be, uh, you know, I'm curious to see, I haven't really like looked crazily into it yet. I've just been kind of like skim. I've been making sure I'm reading the module. Uh, and I kind of like skimmed the interface of roll 20, but I do want to like really familiar, like I'm going to do a, a dry run by myself to see what it's like. Sure. Um, I'm wondering, cause they said like they took away like hundreds of hours of prep work, like, because I'm wondering like, are every single creature stat blocked? You know, like, oh yeah. You know, but I'm wondering, like, 
how much of it is going to be expandable or am I just going to be like, they literally have the SRD at your fingertips. No, but I'm saying is like how much of like, say this encounter needs to be tuned a little higher because there's more people. Uh, oh, can you just click a button and yeah, level up? And you have to I'm, redo the that's stats. That's what I'm wondering. Um, you know, any good DM, I mean, if you think about it this way, I, when I DM, mm-hmm. if the encounter seems too difficult or too easy, mm-hmm. I will adjust on the fly, but I'm not redoing the numbers. Yeah. I'm just ballparking. Like there have been times where you guys in our in our big um uh dragons game, tyranny of dragons game, because there were so many of you at some times, like there might be six of you playing at one time, mm-hmm. and it's like it's meant for four. Um that the creatures themselves might have been just too tiny and wimpy. So I would do one of two things. Either A, add in a few more. Like, let's just say... This is like a whole bunch of gobos. Add like two more gobos. Right. And some, <laughs> sometimes it's easy. Sometimes if, like there are, if it's meant for a party of four and there are four enemies and they're all the same, yeah. I'll just add in the extra two for the extra two players. But other times when it's less easy, either I'll just add more of a monster or I'll just sort of fudge some of the stats, specifically... HP mm-hmm. um, and maybe like, like an, I, I usually don't change the armor class per se I make them still because that's, that's just the mechanics of that level not yeah. so much mechanics of party size but I'll usually fudge the HP maybe give them one more spell per day if they're a wizard you know what I mean give them an extra couple damage on their attacks so a little more devastating yeah that makes sense but it's nothing that I'm writing down. I'm literally just doing it in like in my brain on the fly. I'm just like this this thing no longer has 50 HP. It has 65. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I so I think that I don't think that would be a problem for you. Mm. I think if if you just need to scale back or you need to up the encounter on the fly, just literally with a piece of paper and pen at your desk. Yeah. Just write down a number and just be like this is when I start. Because on roll 20, you could potentially just change it. But even if you can't, um, I, I know I, I should be able to just change you should it. be able to but also roll 20 I know you can like actually manually input how much health it's losing mm-hmm. so let's just say you don't want to change it on the fly and you just want to give it say 20 more HP because you want to make it a little harder wait until we do at least 20 before you actually start subtracting the HP of the creature that makes sense you know what I mean yeah um, so you know that'd be nice I, it's funny because I want to like I'm reading it I'm like oh man it's a great adventure like I want to talk to Dave about it but like I can't nope. talk to Dave about it He's my, one of the players. Because I am Sir Domre Lionsbane, the cleric of Helm's Hold. Helm be praised. <laughs> so that should be pretty fun. Um, and I'm still kind of combating, like, if I want to just, I want to record it or not, and what means I want to record it. I think we should. Yeah. Which, by the way, don't worry. I promise our our play D&D <laughs> videos are coming out. They are. The just editing is taking longer than intended, but yeah. you will be seeing us visually soon on our Geekade YouTube channel. You're going to see That's right. You're going to see us. Um speaking of which, this is kind of a sidetrack. It might be too early a to tangent. announce this. I don't know. Hmm. But we're not Marvel. This isn't we're not under contract. <laughs> um another idea we have floating, we can't promise that it's going to happen, but uh-huh. it seems promising in and yeah. of itself. Oh, I think is I working with other members of the Geek Aid team. Um, we are hopefully going to be presenting to you soon a YouTube series known as um, Boarding School. Yes, uh, we don't know exactly the official 
full title it might be like geek aids boarding school or ysmpg presents boarding school or yeah. something but the idea is the pun if you will the finger in the <laughs> air the finger thing <laughs> is that it is us showing you by playing and having fun and bantering with other geek aid fellows um some of the board games we talk about on the cast as mm-hmm. well as some that we haven't gotten to yet that's right and you'll get to see us play the games and you'll hear our live reactions especially if it's something we haven't played before um or you'll get to see us sort of teach the games we've been talking about to some new players mm-hmm. and it'll just be a whole lot of fun so stay tuned for all of that but <laughs> back to back to D&D. back to your game and recording it <laughs> um but yeah so you know, I'm uh, I'm kind of struggling with the thought of, uh, you know, do I want everyone to record their own audio? Do I want to just so I can record it, release it in like a podcast kind of format? Uh, do I want to record it via, you know, like just live stream, st- it. live stream, Twitch, it, Twitch, and then take that video so we could pop it up onto YouTube. I think that would be the way to you go, know? man. I th- you know, it's definitely a bit more. Of, it's more of a visual format. Right. Um, for sure. And then you could see us in two different settings. You could see us playing D&D when we have the actual game of us together in person with people. Mm-hmm. And then you can also see us just playing this uh, playing this other game live. Yeah. Which I mean, that's the real novelty between the two is the one is pre the one is always going to be pre recorded that will be the live one with all yeah. of us together in the room. But if you as a viewer or listener, both in this case, um, decide that you want to actually like join in live and see us role play and do stuff, then that would be where Jengus's game could really come home for you. Yeah, perhaps. Uh, I'll have to check with the players to make sure it's okay. I know it's okay with you. Yeah, but I, I, have to, I have to check with the other guys. Uh, it's a big sausage fest. It's all guys. Yeah. <laughs> Meaty. Uh, but it should be fun and look forward to it because I think Storm King's Thunder is actually a really great adventure. And, and think, whether or not it is or it isn't, <laughs> Sir Domri Lion's mane is the best. <laughs> How is he? Well, so, so, sounds like an interesting character. I kind of want to, honestly, I want to save it to like really experience it in the game. But, okay. Uh, but, Why? Uh, do you have a question? <laughs> no. I was like, how? <laughs> How dedicated to Helm is he? <laughs> Very. I mean, I'll talk a little bit about his order because I talked about it with you already. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's part of the Order of the Gilded Eye, I believe it's called. It's in the Sword Coast Adventurer's Guide. It is an order of Helm. Uh, they are kind of a splintery faction of the Order of the Gauntlet. It's, it was started by a dude of the Order of the Gauntlet uh, who thought the Order of the Gauntlet wasn't like... I don't want to say extreme enough, but that's kind of like the the sense of it. Because the Order of the Gauntlet, their whole thing was they want to stop evil wherever it pops up. So murderer kills somebody, they go they go after the murderer. Like, you know, mm-hmm. Zaztan pops up and does something, they're going after Zaztan. Yeah, you know, whatever it is. Um, this is more of like, the Order of the Gilded Eye is more of like the, the right wing. <laughs> 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 they, uh... They tend to go for a preemptive attack. Mm. Um, their whole thing is is that by the time you've stopped evil after it's been done, that still means you let evil happen. So instead, they decide to go after the bad guys before they're able to do anything. Some kind of minority report stuff going on <laughs> where if they think there might be a threat they attack with a preemptive strike, therefore neutralizing evil and also kind of walking that weird gray moral 
moral ground that I love to tread in D&D <laughs> games, um, especially as good characters. Yeah. I love when good characters are doing things that they think they're morally correct, but if you really start to kind of look at the shades of gray areas, you start to think, like, is this really a good thing? Like, mm-hmm. are you truly a good person? <laughs> like, I understand your motives and intentions are good, but good what, if, what if this person who's killed because you thought they were going to be evil <laughs> had a change of heart? Jesus. Like, you know, like, I just, I see, I, for, I foresee... Good role play opportunities it should be should be interesting. Yeah, uh, which I, I also me having a bit of insight as to what's coming also foresee a lot of good role play opportunities. Um, he's also a knight, mind you, which adds another level of like that weird sort of like knights are just righteous. He's yeah. he's a righteous person. He just believes that he is he's not wrongous. Yeah. <laughs> um, but this is a great segue. Yeah, because our last topic is favorite character concepts. Indeed. Um, go ahead, buddy. Sure. Um, one of my favorite. Oh, it was so good. But back in D and D fourth edition, uh, they introduced in one of the. I think it was one of the splat books. They introduced the Genasi. Oh, the Genasi! I Genasi. love them. So there was a. So Genasi normally are one element. Whether it, be, it was in the uh, Forgotten Realms Players Guide. Yes, Forgotten Realms Players Guide. Mm-hmm. So you, they're normally one element, but there was a a thing in it where. You can be born, I think it was a feat, it might have been a feat, but you can be born of two elements. Yep. And then I took that a step further and made him born with four elements. Oh, well, actually, he wasn't born with four elements. His name was Ang. <laughs> no, it wasn't Ang. I actually <laughs> forgot. I forgot his name. I sad. Um, but like the way he worked was he started out as fire and then through different experiences in his life he awakened the i mean yeah ang he awakened the other elements in him mm-hmm. um so like you know he was uh he was on a ship in like the middle of a storm and uh you know he was like he was very angry at every like, i'm trying to remember because i gave each element a personality too right and he would switch between the personalities um and in the middle of anything like mm-hmm. he could be so fire was very brash very abrasive and angry um earth was very stoic and like kind of unmoving in ways mm-hmm. um wind was very uh f- what's the best word for it childish mm-hmm. it was very childish and like kind of free flowing kind of and water was very smooth kind of like a gentleman you know kind of dude mm-hmm. and um yeah it was it was a lot of fun to play because i just liked i i would just like being able to just switch on the fly i think i also gave him a uh um he was a sword mage as mm-hmm. well so like love it i love that he could be he could use weapons specifically to and ganasi got special ability ganasi sword mages i think got special abilities depending oh, yeah. on what element they were yeah so like he could do certain things when he was a different element. It was great. It was one of my favorite characters to ever make, um, and I would love to bring him back one day. But it, I don't think he could fit with the current rule set. No, I mean Genasi are in Genasi are in um, Prince Evil. Yeah, Princes yeah, of, yeah, whatever it is. <laughs> yeah. Um, for me, I have I have two actually. Uh, I always do. I mean, listen, my character that I love always will be 
Alibris first and foremost, but in terms of like on those rare occasions where I've played other characters, which your game is a rare occasion. Yeah. I'm not playing Alibris. I'm, I'm in fact notice. playing this cleric. Um, I just had like a, I was just like, why not? Um, but the two characters that I really enjoyed in terms of like my other characters where I was like, these have real potential and they're just interesting to me. One was also a Genasi from 4E, a Genasi sword mage, <laughs> um, an air Genasi sword mage. Ooh in uh our buddy justin's game back when i was in college with him and his name was sardis gerolkai and the thing about sardis is i made him sort of batshit crazy in the sense that i gave him his own plot armor (laughs) like so i don't think i remember this so essentially sardis was like almost a deadpool of D &D. (laughs) Because he would break the fourth wall. Like, he would tell bad guys. We'd be in a room, and Justin's character, like, his NPC characters would be like, you know, we're gonna murder you. And his response would be like, you can't. I have plot armor. I'm the main character. You're not allowed. (laughs) Like, straight up believed he was the main character of this grand story and therefore was invincible. And the nuttiest part about it was the more I roleplayed it, the better he like my actual roles would res- were like would, would just start to do really well. It was the craziest thing. We'd be laughing for hours because I'd say something ridiculous, like <laughs> I'd be in a situation that no character would really be ever be able to get out of, and then I'd roll a nat twenty after <laughs> I say God. something ridiculous. I'd be just like, you know, no, like I've got plot armor. Nope, nat twenty, I'm out. <laughs> like, and it would just be like these dumb little situations. I can't remember specifically because it, it's been a while, but I just remember hours of laughing and Justin just shaking his head because it was just at the absurdity of it yeah um but the more it was like the more the dice fed into this this character the more outrageous i started to get with sardis like it started (laughs) it started very it started almost like a joke yeah like a joke like sardis was just sort of only like half buying it but the more that sardis sardis's life started to really just always be lucky the more he just gave (laughs) in and was just like sure and i'm pretty sure my god in the game was timora too so i was just like all about like yeah it's just I'm blessed by luck, you know? <laughs> Luck's my thing. Yeah, it was great. Um, and then the second character concept that I really, really liked was there was a Pathfinder game. Um, I don't know if it was yours or maybe one that Rocco was running, but I made essentially a Van Helsing. Um, I think it was mine. I don't remember his name, but he was a Pathfinder Inquisitor, mm. which is very Van Helsing yeah. class. An inquisitor of Kelumvor, but he was a Dompier. What? Yeah. So he had a bit of the vampire, like yeah, bloodline. I don't want to call it bloodline curse, maybe. Yeah. Um, disease, the venom, but he had that bit of vampire in him. But was an inquisitor of Kelumvor. Who like despised like like he wasn't always a dampier per se mm-hmm. or maybe he was I don't remember how I, it was backstory but I just remember he was essentially like a self loathing dampier but he decided he was going to use the powers he was given to hunt down every last undead <laughs> oh my god and take them out all right Blade <laughs> um yeah he was essentially like Blade Van Helsing that archetypal character of just like you've got something going on um. I really liked that character. Mm-hmm. I just thought the concept was cool. Like this undead dude that's just going. I mean, it's a concept that's been done before, which is probably why I liked it. But even still, it was it was cool. Those are my two really interesting character concepts that I, I really, really enjoyed. 
Nice. Um, switching gears to board games. Yeah. So this uh, this month, uh, I went a little low on this one. <laughs> this month, coming to you <laughs> in a theater. We're going to be reviewing <laughs> Uno. It's time to talk about Uno. <laughs> A game 55,000 years in the making. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, we can start with the old one first. Yeah, why not? Yeah. So yeah, Uno, um, a classic. A uh, classic. Classic Uno. Classic Uno (laughs) at the movies. Um, But uh, this is, you know, you you can't, I I think mostly every, I mean, maybe not so much these days. Well, maybe not the newer kids. I feel like people know what Uno is. But uh, Uno is like, you know, it's so easy to play. Yeah. You can play it anywhere. But as this is our podcast, we have to actually describe it. <laughs> okay. Yes. You're absolutely right, <laughs> Like, David. we can't just assume. So, uh... Did we ever describe Monopoly? I think we did. Sorry, yeah. that was a random thought. Back to Uno. <laughs> um, you know, I'm reading the rules, the official rules... They're nowhere near how I actually played the game. Well, I mean, I can tell you what I remember, and you can tell the, me if the I'm... The aim of the goal game is to be the first player to score 500 points. Okay. I've yeah. never done that. I've never kept track of score. I I think I have. Really? I mean, I think when you play casually with a bunch of friends, you're just playing game to game. Yeah. But I believe there was a time where, like, at summer camp that, yeah, we kept track and we played the full-out game of 500 points. Oh, Wow. All right, so go ahead. <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, you have to drop your hand. That's the main thing. You want to drop your hand. You want to get out. And you do so by playing cards on top of other cards. The rules are simple. Um, for the most part, it's when you play a card, you can, you can play it. like it's they're, they're numbers, essentially, and they have colors as well. And you can either play a card of the same color or a card of the same number. And if it's of the same number... You can like chain cards. Like if you've got three sevens in your hand and there's a seven down and it's your turn, you can drop all three sevens. And the order in which you do it is up to you. Um, But the goal is to drop your hand and get down to one card, say Uno, and then go out. If you don't say Uno and you get caught not saying Uno, you can't go out. Mm -hmm. Um, And or no, it's not that you can't go out. It's that you have to pick up seven more cards. Um, That was the penalty in Uno. You replace your hand. And then if you don't have cards you can play, I can't remember if it's you pick one card up and pass or if you keep picking up until you find something you can use. That's a good question. I don't remember. Um, But From the deck, that is. mm -hmm. Um, But long story short, your hand will refill if you can't play. Um, And then there are some specialty cards. Uh, A reverse card that reverses the turn order with multiple players. You just draw the top card of the deck. That's just one card at a time. You have the option to play it. Right. Uh, so it is one card at a time. So your hand refills more slowly than perhaps it it would otherwise. But regardless, um, then, as I said, specialty cards is a reverse card, which in a two-player game is essentially just like the skip turn card because mm-hmm. you're just going back to you. In a multiplayer game, it reverses the turn order. Then, of course, as I just said, there's the skip turn card, which skips a player's turn. Uh, there's a wild card, which mm-hmm. will change the color on the deck. And then there's a wild plus four card... <laughs> Which gives another, changes the color and sticks the next person in line with four cards and skips their turn. And then there's a plus two card as well, which gives a person two cards. And misses their turn. And misses their turn. Um, So yeah, it's pretty pretty simple to play. Uh, You're just literally like picking up and dropping. Um, 
And, uh, you know, it's got a million different... Inter- Picking up cards. <laughs> in Uno. In Uno. Uh, again. It's got a million different iterations. It's like, they're, you know, but like it's different strategies. I was looking at the Wikipedia Strategies page. in Uno. It's like, hold on to your wild so you Be can play it a dick. <laughs> Right? This is, this is one of those games. This is right? one of those games, for sure. <laughs> Sticky with four. Sticky with two. Skip your turn. I'm out. It's like, I've got three. I've got two draw fours. I'm going to make your life a living nightmare. <laughs> living nightmare. <laughs> um, but, yeah. Uh, I mean, I've, I love playing Uno. Uno is one of those card games I wish I just had all the time. Here's the thing. I don't. Really? I'll give it a thumbs up because I started with it. But if I'm going to play Uno... I'd rather play Gang of Four. <laughs> We're just full of segways today, guys. That's right. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, uh, Gang of Four. So, Gang of Four. I mean, first off, Uno, two Uno, thumbs up. Two thumbs up. Sure. Yeah. Great yeah. game. But gang of Four. Gang of Four. Better is, game. <laughs> I would definitely say, yeah. Yeah. Um, Similar concept. Mm-hmm. Another game where you want to drop your hand. You have numbers. The numbers have colors. Except in this game, instead of colors being um, something you put down on the pile, the colors are for strengths for your hand. And the game of Gang of Four, in terms of the hands you play, are similar to poker hands. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a 64-card deck, and I believe. And everybody gets dealt... Um, like 11 cards yeah their share of the deck no 12 cards uh 64 64. i'm doing math really poorly right now (laughs) that's 32 divided by two that's 16 16 cards 16 is the number i was looking for um everybody gets 16 cards 16 cards um the game starts the first person to go is the person who gets what's the rainbow one the strongest one it's the only rainbow card in the deck Mm -hmm. um the cards range from one to ten and then there are three singleton cards uh the red dragon the green phoenix and the yellow phoenix and red dragon is the highest single card the phoenixes are the highest pair i got framing dragon (laughs) um i think of tropic thunder every time i see the red dragon and uh so, so those are the highest single cards in the game. Uh, otherwise, you have just, as I said, one through ten. Um, whoever starts the round will decide the number of cards in the playable hand of that round. That sounds kind of complicated, but the way I'm saying it is, if I'm starting the round, I'm playing with mm-hmm. Jengis and some other people, and maybe Jengis is after me. If I'm starting, the table is clear. I could put down three of a kind because it goes by poker hands for the most part. And that means that all of the hands that round have to to be three of a kind. Um, You stop and clear the pile once every player passes, except for the person that put down the most recent set or card. And then whoever that person was gets to restart the round and change up the hand size if they choose. So like, say I play... In turn order... switches well it goes every after every after every big game yeah um the turn order switches and goes in a different direction um and the weak get weaker and the strong gets stronger you want to you want to empty your hand you have to say one card if you if you um if you don't empty your hand yeah yeah, something like that uno um the more cards you have in your hand the harsher the multiplier is on terms of your score and the the idea is to have as as little points as possible Mm. um the moment someone gets to 100 points in the game the game is over uh and in between games let's say 
I had the most points in the most recent game and Jengis was the person that got out, so he won. Um, that means for the next game, when I get dumped my hand, I would have to give Jengis my best card. And then best card being the highest value value in terms of both number and color. Yeah. And then it's done publicly so everybody sees it. And then in return, Jengis then gives me any card of his choosing from his hand. It could be anything. And it can be anything. It could even be the card I just gave him, mm-hmm. um, which I wasn't sure about until I played recently and we checked. And it actually does. It actually goes weakest first. So you get to see what you're getting to see if that changes your strategy. Oh. And then you return your card. Um, but anyway, so the you know strong gets stronger and the weak get weaker. And it's fun to play. It's a lot um, of fun. Um, it can take a while. It can also be really quick. If everyone's really good, mm-hmm. they can get like really low. Uh, the real the mix up, the reason why it's called Gang of Four is normally you're playing the you know singles, doubles, trip, three of a kind, or five card five hands. Card hands. The well, five card hands, mind you, unlike the others, like singles are simple. It's singles. Doubles are simple. They're just pairs. Triples are three of a kind. But five card hands includes all of the five card hands of poker. So, so straight in, in, flush. and in terms of their poker strength. Mm-hmm. So starting with a straight, then a flush, then or is it a flush and a straight? Uh, I always forget. It's one of the two. It's those two. Then straight flush. No, then full house. Full house. Then straight flush. Straight, yeah. Um. So and. Uh, and yeah, so but what can break that? What can break point, anything? At any point, you could play what's called uh, a gang of four. A gang of four. It's four of the same number card. Right. So, so four, four of a kind. Four ones, four twos, so on and so forth. Exactly. And uh, that trumps anything. The only thing that trumps a gang of four is a higher gang of four or a gang of five or a gang of six or in the case of the ones a gang of seven. Yes. And the only ones can be gang of seven because that rainbow one is uh, an extra. It's the it's what's what makes seven ones yeah. in the game. Uh, so they're very powerful. A lot of people try to either blow them early to gain control. They blow them later so they can go out faster. I just played a game and the other night in one of the, it was me, my wife, and two of our my friends. Wife. My wife. Um, and we played and I, I just got like, there was this one round where it was like, so it was our buddy Andy and his wife Gwen and, and my wife Bevan and we're there and it's like all of a sudden, like I played something and then Andy was like, gang of four ones and then gwen was like gang of four threes and i was like okay so the pile cleared she goes she does something things go on then gwen was like gang of four fives and then andy was like gang of four sevens and then bevan was like gang of four tens oh my god all in the same game i'm sitting there with nothing (laughs) and i'm like how does this happen? How did hand. you me? And I'm like, how did you both get? They both, Annie and Gwen, both had two gangs of four. Bevan had one gang of four. I had none. Wow. And you would think the odds would dictate if they had so many of the same that card that, that naturally I should have gotten a gang. It was crap. Nothing. <laughs> Pure crap. And I'm literally sitting there like, this is bull. <laughs> this is bull. Yeah. But Gang of Four was one of my favorite games to play uh, in college. Jengis introduced uh, me to it, and we yeah. played that thing. Like we destroyed that. We just—I think we destroyed the deck I used to own. Yeah, and then I think Dave got his own deck. I do. I have one now. <laughs> um, but like that's definitely a mainstay. Apparently, Gang of Four very popular in uh, other places. Uh, it's actually I think called Chinese poker in uh, 
China. <laughs> but uh, it's, 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 uh, it's their like poker. It's extremely popular. Mm-hmm. There's even online formats for it. Wow. Um, but yeah, so what will we, what we call it? Like, oh, it's a fun little game. It's them serious business. I, excuse me. <laughs> Oh, I'm sorry. It is serious it's business to me, serious. motherfucker. Like that is that Surprise, is yeah, like that is that is I I I am competitive, and that game is my jam. I get I get I get really intense in that you, game. You you I mean, as opposed to Uno, you are a bit limited by the number of players. You can only play up to four. And really, you can only play minimum three. I don't think two right. works. No, you, there, um, with and with four, there's like a dummy hand. Yeah, so it gets weird. So like stuff's burned. So like the dragon could be in there, but you don't know if the other people have the dragon. Yeah, so it's like playing a guessing game. Because there's, yeah. there's a lot of strategy. Like ugh, there's so much strategy to Gang of Four. When to play cards, when to yeah. hold cards. Holding cards is probably the scariest strategy in the game because gang of four is one of those things where if your opponents have the right hand they can go out so faster than you anticipate and they could lock you out and they could lock you out and you could just be stuck with so many cards and you had like no like you just didn't have an opportunity Mm -hmm. to play like you look and you're like oh i have all these great five card hands but maybe the turn start the 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 round started with pairs and you decided to pass because you don't want to break up your five card hands but then somebody starts hosing out some gang of fours they're down to one card and you're still like you still all these cards and no one's playing a five card hand anymore right and you're just like you're done so it really the scariest strategy i think in gang of four is holding on to cards um for sure and it's like when you when you really need to rest control and you just don't have that gang and you don't have a high like you got nothing but greens and like low number cards uh the, like, in terms of uh strength order of color green is the lowest followed by yellow followed by red so just so you can understand single cards like someone plays a you have a green four someone plays a red four you can't play on top of that red four right and, so- <laughs> and that minutia sometimes is like we you really have to define it because like case in point the other night once again i played a full house i'll give an example it was, say it was like fours full of sixes and i had like a green yellow and red four mm-hmm. and then i a green and yellow six and then andy played the exact same hand except one of his sixes were red. Uh, that's higher. Yeah. So just by color, he played fours full of sixes, the same exact color fours at a green six and a red six, as opposed to my yellow six. And it was just like, that's why that color minutia really, yeah. really gets you. There's a lot of strategy to it. Yeah. So it's uh, definitely one of my favorite games. Oh, I, um, it's anytime I have four people in a room and mm-hmm. it's like, what should we play? I'm always like, let's play gang of four just maybe, because it is very much a four player game. And maybe you'll see it on. You shall not pass. Go boarding school, boarding school, boarding school, boarding school. Coming, coming to a theater near you. This winter fall in a world <laughs> where there's gang of four. Fair enough. Um, so yeah, uh, two thumbs up, obviously, from both of us. Yeah, I think if eight had, thumbs up. I was going to say, if Dave had three thumbs. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> two is just not enough sometimes. Um, but yeah, uh, I think that'll do it for us. Yeah, this was a... This a shorty? I mean, for us, yeah. I think our like last three episodes were like two-hour like jams. <laughs> this unedited right now, we're looking at like about an hour, 20 minutes, a oh, little wow. less. So Jeez. you're welcome, viewers, or <laughs> listeners, rather. Well, uh, yeah. Hopefully, sorry about that. What do you mean, sorry? Don't, I don't apologize. Know. They're probably thanking us. It's I listen. We know that our podcasts get a little wordy and long sometimes, um, and we like to thank those of our listeners that do. That's right. Kind of uh, 
Stick. Hang in there. Yeah. Especially because I know that there are some of our friends that are listening to this <laughs> that have don't know a lick of D&D or Magic and vaguely had like know these board games, but are still kind of uh, are being supportive. Yeah. And uh, to those of you that we don't know, please comment because we would love to hear from you. Any people we do know, please comment. Yeah, really. Where uh, the hell are your comments, guys <laughs> and girls? No, really. If there's something... No, but really. To, where the hell are your comments? If there's something you want us to talk about in either Magic D&D or board games. Or you want you us know. to review something. Yeah. There's a board game you love and you want to hear us talk about it on the show. Sure, hey, sure I'll, go out on, I'll go out on a further limb. If you are a game maker or a hobby shop and you want us to come by play a game or you want us to come by check out your store let us know yeah we'll record we'll yeah record in your store if you want yeah <laughs> and as we've talked about before we don't we don't get paid no so like it's just free it. advertising for you <laughs> exactly yeah um, so there's that yeah so uh, i think that'll do it for us uh, we don't sound desperate do we <laughs> no 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 not at all not at all in a world <laughs> in a world of desperation uh so yeah, uh, I think they'll do it for the month of October. Yeah, see you all in uh, Happy Halloween, ladies and gentlemen. Happy Halloween! And don't worry, as soon as Halloween's over, you'll have another November podcast for us. That's right, and we'll talk about other fun stuff. Yeah, God will we? Knows. What's what's out there? Who knows? It might be a bit of a dead month. Maybe. Uh, Bye. <laughs>